This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Eve Arden played the fun-loving but sometimes frazzled English teacher at Madison High School in Our Ms. Brooks. She was the most famous teacher ever on radio. Connie Brooks was a wonderful combination of sincere and smart, and Eve Arden played her perfectly. As she taught English on the show, it made perfect sense that she had the funny lines. Eve Arden's timing and delivery made her one of the best radio and television comedians, and she's fondly remembered by her many fans. Teachers across the country related to our Ms. Brooks. In fact, Arden received thousands of letters from teachers relating their own frustrating experiences. She was even offered teaching jobs, which she turned down. However, she did sometimes speak at PTA meetings. Teaching English was no cup of tea for our Ms. Brooks. First of all on the list of characters was Mr. Osgood Conklin, the principal. Again, the casting of the show was perfect as Mr. Conklin was the great character actor Gail Gordon. Those who heard the show know Mr. Conklin was a perfect foil for the witty Miss Brooks. He was the perfect type A, bossy and irascible, like Dagwood's boss. Also a favorite was the lovable, goofy Walter Denton. And tonight, we're all invited to Connie's birthday party, but shh, it's a surprise. Our Miss Brooks teaches English at Madison High School. She's very fond of her pupils, and they're very fond of her. She's also very fond of biology teacher Philip Boynton, and he's very fond of his frogs and guinea pigs. Well, this absorption in his laboratory is largely due to Mr. Boynton's natural shyness. Well, that is to say that he's shy in the world of reality. But in the dreams of our Miss Brooks, Philip Boynton is every bit as ardent and attentive as any woman could desire. Let's listen. Oh, my darling Constance. You're so lovely, so desirable. I feel I could fly on the wings of our love. Won't you join me, Constance, on a flight to paradise? Contact. Uh, I must pause for a moment, my darling. You know why? For station identification. <laughs> I want to look at you again before I kiss you. And if you notice anything strange in my eyes, dearest... It's stardust. Well, sweep it under your lids and let's get going. <laughs> oh, isn't it wonderful, Connie? Just you and I alone in our dream house. Yes, it is, Philip. And if anyone comes calling, we'll refuse to answer the doorbell. Sorry, wrong number. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay, alarm clock. Oh, you win. Quiet. If I could have slept a few more minutes, that dream might have gotten the Academy Award. <laughs> Come in. Good morning, Connie. Good morning, Mrs. Davis. I've brought you a little breakfast tray. Hope you like the surprise recipe, Alex. Another surprise recipe? 
I'm still trying to get used to the last one. Rye crisp boiled in breadcrumbs. Anything like that, Connie This is a famous Alaskan dish Want to know what it consists of? No, what? It's very simple You just take a pound of frozen whale meat Thaw it out <laughs> Roll into patties And fry in deep seal fat <laughs> What do you call this Eskimo's delight? Blubber burger <laughs> Blubber burger? Yes Of course, not everyone can enjoy them at first eating how do you stand on the whale meat, Connie? I really don't know, Mrs. Davis. I've never stood on any. <laughs> it was nice of you to bring a tray into my room, Mrs. Davis, but I'd rather have breakfast out here in the dinette with you. Oh, thank you, Connie. But you haven't had a thing but a glass of milk. I know. You can't fry that. <laughs> <laughs> That is, I didn't feel very hungry. Oh, that's too bad. Today of all days. What's so special about today? Don't you know? Let's see. Oh, certainly. Yesterday was payday, so today must be rent day. What do I owe you, Mrs. Davis? I'm not worried about the rent, Connie, although I could use a small loan. How much? Well, five dollars would do nicely. It's for a donation I promised the ailing newsboys fund. All right, Mrs. Davis, I can let you have five dollars. You sure you won't miss it? No, I won't miss it. The people I owe the payment on my car might miss it, but I'll take care of that later. <laughs> I've had my eye on a bag in Justin's department store, and I've decided to throw caution to the winds and buy it this afternoon. The one you told me about? Green alligator skin? That's the one. Of course, I'll have to postpone a lot of my time payments. The car, my coat, the watch I bought for Mr. Boynton, but it's worth it. Wait till you see that bag, Mrs. Davis. But what about your creditors? What do you tell them? I'll write them all polite letters. Letters? What'll you say? Oh, I'll think of something. I'm an English teacher, ain't I? I mean, uh... <laughs> Aren't I? Uh, am I not? <laughs> you certainly must have your heart set on that bag. Oh, I have. Do you think Mr. Boynton will like it? He likes frogs and lizards and things. <laughs> then this alligator bag ought to be right up his alley. Lucky alligator bag to be up an alley with Mr. Boynton. <laughs> Oh, that must be Walter Denton. He's giving me a lift to school. I'll be there in a minute, Walter. Is your car in the repair shop again, Connie? Yes, the garage says they just have to get one more part for the car before I can drive it again. What part is that? A motor. <laughs> Hello, Walter. Come in. Thanks, Miss Brooks. I just came in to tell you to be sure and bring a coat with you this morning. It's colder than a school teacher's heart out. I mean, some school teachers' hearts, Miss Brooks. You're a warm one. <laughs> Thanks, Walter. You can butter me up on the way to school. I'll go get a coat. I'll just be a few minutes. Did someone let that cat in again? It's me, Mrs. Davis. Oh, Walter, I'm glad you came in. We've got to make arrangements for the surprise party. Does she know it's her birthday? No, just like last year. She's forgotten about it completely. Well, then the party will go over that much bigger. Did you find out what she wants? Yes, I did, Walter. It's a green bag in Justin's, but she's threatened to buy it for herself. Golly, that's no good. I know. So I've thought up this scheme. If we all borrow some money from her, she won't be able to buy it. <laughs> then we can give it to her for a present. 
I'll call the Conklins and tell them to be sure and borrow something from Miss Brooks when she gets to school. Good. She's so soft-hearted, she'll never turn anybody down, as long as there's a hard luck story with it. And I'll put the bite on her and... I mean, I'll borrow something on our way to school. (laughs) Here she comes. I'll go back into the kitchen. I don't want her to think we've been conspiring. Okay, Mrs. Davis. Well, that wasn't such a long wait, was it, Walter? Oh, not at all, Miss Brooks. Gosh, that's a nice coat. When did you buy that? Within the next 18 months. (laughs) Let's hurry, Walter. I couldn't touch a morsel of Mrs. Davis's breakfast. I'd like to get a bite on our way. Don't worry. You will. Palm Olive Soap is giving away prizes worth $67,000, a grand prize of $25,000 in one lump sum, or $100 a month for life. And that's not all. There are over 2,000 prizes in Palm Olive's big treasure chest contest. Ford sedan, Westinghouse laundromat, from Silver Fox scarves, Toast Master toasters, and it's easy to enter. Complete the last line of this jingle. A fresher, brighter-looking skin is something I would like to win. I'll get Palm Olive Soap today. Da-da, 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 da-da. Write your last line on a plain sheet of paper or use an official entry blank giving complete rules obtainable at your dealers. Include your own and dealer's name and address and mail with the big word Palm Olive from the front of the wrapper of one regular and one bath size cake of Palm Olive soap to Palm Olive, Box 92, New York 8, New York. Now here's the jingle once more. A fresher, brighter looking skin is something I would like to win. I'll get Palm Olive soap today. Da 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 da. Mail your entry to Palm Olive, Box 92, New York 8, New York. Get Palm Olive soap for a lovelier complexion. Remember, doctors prove Palm Olive's beauty results. I just had a tune up job done in the car, Miss Brooks. Runs pretty smooth, doesn't it? Yes, it does, Walter. What kind of a car was this? Uh, is this? A 1938 Hudson. Hmm. Certainly held together for the past ten years. So have you, Miss Brooks. <laughs> Not that I'm comparing you with a car or anything, but, well, you're still so youthful. Nature's treated you extremely well. Why, you haven't even got any crow's feet. Nature probably knows I can't afford shoes for them. <laughs> don't like to keep bothering you with my personal problems, Miss Brooks, but could I once more? Could you once more what, Walter? Bother you with a personal problem. It's about a financial matter. What kind of a financial matter? A loan. Are you asking me or telling me? <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, I'm telling you. I'm broke. Really? How long have you been a school teacher? <laughs> well, I'm serious. I've just got to get some money somewhere. It isn't like it was for myself. I wouldn't even ask if it was for myself. Who is it for? It's for a friend of mine. He's a... He's an ice man. And his horse fell down the other day, and he's laid up in the barn now, and my friend hasn't been able to sell any ice. Oh, that's too bad, Walter. He doesn't know when the horse will be on his feet again. And he's just had a baby. The horse? No, the ice man. (laughs) Well, that's a switch. His wife (laughs) you see, and they haven't got enough money to buy milk to feed it. Oh, let alone the other seven children in the family, plus oats. <laughs> Sad, Miss Brooks. Saddest thing since Camille. <laughs> How much do you want to borrow, Walter? Five dollars would help a lot. Okay, here you are. Gosh, thanks. Are you sure you won't miss it? No, I won't miss it, Walter. The people who sold me this coat may miss it, but I'll take care of that later. Thanks again. You don't know what this money will do for these people. 
And you'll get it back just as soon as my friend's foot heals. Your friend's foot? I thought it was the horse who fell. The horse? Oh, sure. But didn't I tell you? When the horse fell, my friend tried to lift him up and sprained his own ankle. Oh, great. Between his sick horse, sprained ankle, and having a baby, your friend is the busiest ice man I ever knew. <laughs> well, we're right near school. Oh, gosh, I got so wound up talking about my poor friend, I forgot to stop and let you get some breakfast. Well, after that story, Walter, I'd feel guilty eating anything but hay. <laughs> I'll have an early lunch in the cafeteria. Okay, Miss Brooks. Well, here we are. Thanks, Walter. Say, isn't that Harriet Conklin going up the steps? Yeah, that's Harriet. Oh, you better hurry. She's anxious to talk to you. How can you tell from the back of her neck? I'm psychic about some things. Go ahead, Miss Brooks. All right, Walter. See you later. Good morning, Harriet. Oh, good morning, Miss Brooks. I'm so glad we bumped into each other before school starts. I've been very anxious to talk to you. Walter is psychic at that, among other things. What did you want to talk to me about? Well, it's rather embarrassing. Not that you're hard to talk to or anything, but... Golly, I just don't know how to say it now that we're face to face. Well, we'd look pretty silly chatting back to back. (laughs) What seems to be the trouble? Well, it's really not my trouble, Miss Brooks. It's just that I've got to get some financial assistance for a friend in need. What friend, Harriet? Well, it's a little boy I know. He comes from a very poor family, and in order to help his folks, he shines shoes after school. Now, he's got a little dog that helped him get his business started. What did he do, put up the money? (laughs) No, Miss Brooks. He used to do tricks and attract customers. But just the other day, he fell down and hurt his foot. Now the poor little dog can't even get downtown anymore. Well, I can get him a lift downtown if he doesn't mind riding on a lame horse. (laughs) I don't understand. Well, I don't either. But how much do you want to borrow? Well, right after he was hurt, they took the little dog to a hospital, and the bill there was $8. He must have had a semi-private room. (laughs) Well, here's the eight dollars, Harriet. Oh, thank you, Miss Brooks. You sure you won't miss it? No, I won't miss it. The people I owe the payment on my watch might miss it, but I'll take care of that later. Anyway, I still have enough left to pick up that bag at Justin's this afternoon. You have? Oh, I mean, what bag? A green alligator job that I've had my eye on for weeks. Oh. Well, before you go to your room, Daddy would like you to stop in at his office. Uh Uh-oh, what have I done now? Why should you think you've done something, Miss Brooks? Golly, just because Daddy's a principal is no reason for anybody to be afraid of him. No, maybe you're right, Harriet. Good morning. Ah! (laughs) Morning, Daddy. See you later, Miss Brooks. Bye, Harriet. (laughs) Will you uh, step into my office a moment, Miss Brooks? Certainly, Mr. Conklin. Ah, at ease. (laughs) Have a chair. Yes, sir. As you know, I was a major in the last war. Spent almost four years in charge of the post exchange at Camp Fabric, Ohio. Stout fella. Yes, although I've been returned to the arms of my loved ones for over two years now, I opened my last box of Hershey's in 46. (laughs) I must confess there are aspects of military life which bear remembering. Such as? Oh, the camaraderie, esprit de corps. Don't you agree, Miss Brooke? Oui, mon capitaine. Now, you've been teaching at Madison High for over five years, haven't you? That's right, Mr. Conklin. And in that time, I've had a lot of esprit de corps, but very few raises. 
I think the last one was uh, way now, back in... let's not talk shop, Miss Brooks. <laughs> I realize that you haven't had a raise in some time, but after all, it's a universal complaint these days, and one which can't be remedied overnight. Meanwhile, you get by very nicely on the money you earn, don't you? Well, speaking frankly... Well, that's the only way to speak, Miss Brooks. <laughs> now, if you don't mind, I'll come to the point. I've got to have some financial assistance for a friend of mine in distress. Another one? <laughs> this poor chap was one of my GI assistants during the war. Just a corporal, but I recommended him for a War Department citation. Really? Yes. You never saw anyone fill a Coke machine like this lad. <laughs> As for stacking Kleenex boxes... Oh! <laughs> well... <laughs> after the war, he got married and started to raise a family. That was three years ago, but luck didn't favor this boy. He lost one job after another. Things went from bad to worse. You mean he became a teacher? <laughs> no laughing matter, Miss Brooks. He's just written me that his wife is going to have another baby. They're four. In three years? <laughs> uh, there's a, a set of twins. <laughs> In any event, he's desperate. He can't even afford a hospital room for his wife. Well, I know where there's a semi-private room if she doesn't mind dogs. <laughs> I mean, how much would you like to borrow, Mr. Conklin? Well, I've asked many of my friends for five or ten dollars. I see. Well, I get but that. But you're such an old friend, Miss Brooks, I feel that I can ask you for fifteen. Before our friendship gets any older, here's the fifteen dollars. <laughs> oh, thank you, Miss Brooks. You're sure you won't miss it? No, I won't miss it. The people I owe a repair bill on my car might miss it, but I'll take care of that later. Very well. That'll be all, then. Dismissed. Oh, excuse me, Miss Brooks, but may I sit at this table with you? The school cafeteria is pretty crowded today. Oh, sit down, Mr. Boynton. You'll forgive me if I go ahead with my lunch. Oh, of course. I want to eat this salad while it's still warm. <laughs> there, there's something I'd like to talk to you about. Yes, Mr. Boynton? I've heard from many people how generous and warm-hearted you are under your veneer of seeming sophistication. Of course, I've always known that you're true blue, 100% human being, deep down below the surface. Why, Mr. Boynton, you've been peeking at my x-rays. <laughs> I'm serious. I know that I can appeal to you for assistance without fear of embarrassment. And I know when you hear my story, you'll want to help. Et tu, Boynton? <laughs> well, what's your story? Well, I have this friend who's also a biologist. From a poor family? No, no, his family's very wealthy, as a matter of fact. But he's married and has seven children and one on the way. No, he's a single chap. <laughs> but he's got a bad sickness. No, no, he's in the pink of condition. Oh, wait a minute, I know. His little puppy broke its leg. Oh, he hasn't any puppy, but his great Dane just won a blue ribbon. Wrong again. But give that lady a box of Red Heart and two tickets to next week's flea circus. <laughs> Look, Mr. Boynton, I'll bet your friend's horse is so lame he can't even ride him to work, hmm? Well, my friend drives a Cadillac. Uh, uh, if you'll just let me finish, I'll be as brief as possible. You see, he's leaving town. He's got about 30 white mice and frogs that he wants to give me. Oh, so that's it. They're sick. Oh, no, not at all. They're wonderful specimens. But they're orphans. Please, Miss Brooks, what I'm trying to tell you is that I'll need about $20 for the added equipment it'll require to house them. Oh, well, why didn't you say so? 
Here, Mr. Boynton, here's $18. It's all I have left. Let a couple of the mice double up. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Brooks. I certainly appreciate this, but are you sure you won't miss it? No, I won't miss it. The people I owe the payments on my car, watch, and coat might miss it, but I'll take care of that later. There's only one thing that's not going to be put off, Mr. Boynton. Oh, what's that? A green alligator bag I've got my deep-down-underneath little warm heart set on. My first stop after school will be the nearest bank that lends money. Attention, quiet, please. Now then, Harriet, it was your idea to have this surprise party for Miss Brooks. Suppose you outline the plan. All right, Daddy. First of all, did we all borrow enough from Miss Brooks to keep her from getting that bag she wants? Mrs. Davis and I took $5 each from her. I nailed her for a... Uh, that is... <laughs> I appropriated 15 And she loaned me $18. Good for you, Mr. Boynton. I'm afraid it's not good enough, Mr. Conklin. She told me at lunch she was going to the bank and borrow the money for the bag. Oh, golly, that'll spoil everything. I know. Why don't we call the store and tell them under no circumstances to sell her that bag? Tell them uh, we're buying. Excellent, Walter. It's a wonder that that agile mind of yours doesn't function quite so efficaciously in the schoolroom. Gosh, thanks, Mr. Conklin. <laughs> down to the store, pick up the bag, and take it home. Now, who'll get Miss Brooks and bring her over to our house? Oh, I will. I'll call for her at about five o'clock and bring her over to your house at six. Fine. Now, synchronize watches, everybody. <laughs> Let's see. Confidential loan department. This is it. Uh, pardon me. I've read your ads, but I'd still like to be assured that any business we transact will be strictly confidential. You may be quite certain of that, miss. <laughs> what? I said we treat all our transactions with the utmost secrecy. <laughs> well, you can let me in on it. <laughs> I'd like to borrow about $35. Yes, ma'am. What is your occupation, please? I'm a school teacher. How long have you been teaching and at what school, please? Five years at Madison High. <laughs> And how do you sound when you've got laryngitis? Very comical. <laughs> you write your name and address down, and I'll get you the money. Is that all there is to it? Yes, we don't believe in a lot of red tape. Oh. All you have to do is sign a few papers. First here. Yes. Now here. Right. Now this one. There you are. Now here. Mm-hmm. And here. Again. And this one. Yes. Now we'll start on the second page. <laughs> here. Yes. And here. Mm-hmm. And here. Mm-hmm. And here. And here. Can I help you, madam? It's Miss, Miss Brooks. I'd like to see an item your department has been featuring in your window display. Uh, what item is that, Miss Brooks? It's a green alligator. What? A green alligator. I've seen it in your window every day for weeks now. Have you ever heard of Alcoholics Anonymous? <laughs> you mean to tell me you don't know what I'm talking about? Oh, not at all, Miss Brooks. You know you don't know what you're talking about, don't you? <laughs> or do you? <laughs> of course I do. Let's start all over again. There's a purse made of green alligator skin that's been in your window. For oh, the past... 
Oh, that thing. Oh, you wouldn't want to own that. Why, it wouldn't do a thing for you. It wouldn't have to. I've got a job. <laughs> May I see it, please? Uh, uh, funny thing about that model, I sold the last one not a half hour ago to uh, uh, Miss H. Conklin, I believe. Well, couldn't you get one just like it if I... H. Conklin? That's Harriet. Why, that little demon. Maybe if I get her another bag, she'll trade me the green one. Now she wears a lot of green. Besides, she has alligator shoes, too. Well, I might as well go over to her house and see what I can do anyway. Um, uh, I didn't mean to eavesdrop on your monologue. But, uh, H. Conklin won't be home for a while. She said she had a lot of shopping to do. And then she's going to get a manicure at Antoine's. Well, I'll go to her house and wait. Thank you, and good day, J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> Mrs. Conklin, is Harriet at home? Why, no, Miss Brooks. She's out doing some last-minute shopping for the... Pro Miss Brooks! Isn't it terribly early? I mean, um, with the days getting shorter all the time, it seems like about five o'clock. It is five o'clock. May I come in, Mrs. Conklin? Oh, of course. Who's that at the door, Martha? Oh, it's you, Miss Brooks. Hello, Mr. Conklin. Martha, did Harriet get back with all... Miss Brooks! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it a little early? I mean, it only seems like five o'clock. Five, one. <laughs> You're in the living room a minute, Miss Brooks. Osgood, I'd like to talk to you. Yes, yes. Will you excuse us, please, Miss Brooks? Surely. What happened? Why did you tell me so early? Well, I don't know what it was. Somebody must have slipped up. That's all I want to say. I wonder if they've had a confidential loan lately. Walter. Hello, Mrs. Conklin. I got all this stuff. Funny hats, noisemakers, confetti, and streamers. Oh, come on in the living room and we'll start decorating the place. Uh, but, Walter, uh, look who's here, Walter. Hi, Miss Brooks. Hi, Walter. Now, we'll take the streamers and we'll start in this corner of the room and we'll... Miss <laughs> Brooks! When you hear the tone, the time will be 5-2. This one's on me. <laughs> Oh, hello, Mr. Conklin. I, I was just over to Mrs. Davis's house, but you... Say no uh, more. Say no more, Boynton. Come into the living room. Hello, Mr. Boynton. Hi. Oh, hello, Mrs. Conklin. Walter. Hello, Mr. Boynton. Oh, hello, Miss, Miss Brooks. As I started to say, Mr. Conklin, I went over to Mrs. Davis's to pick up Miss Brooks, but she... <laughs> Miss Brooks! <laughs> I know I'm terribly early, but I wish I knew for what. <laughs> I'll answer it. Must be Harriet. Hello, dear. Mrs. Davis. Come in, won't you? I got the bag, Mother, and I had it gift-wrapped. Oh, it looks just super. I brought the cake, Martha. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, Mrs. Davis. Harriet. Hello, hello Miss Brooks. Brooks. Well, there's nothing else that we can do now but wait. Miss Brooks! <laughs> Somebody says Miss Brooks once more. I'm going to change my name to Lucy Pumpernickel. <laughs> cat's out of the bag now. We might as well tell them. Miss Brooks, this little gathering is in honor of your birthday. My birthday? How do you like that? I forgot it again. Miss Brooks, as a token of our esteem and affection, may we present you with this little gift. Go on, Miss Brooks. Open it. The gift is something you've wanted for a long time, Connie. Oh, the green alligator bag. So that's why everybody borrowed money from me today. Well, that's right. We, we didn't want you to get it for yourself. Well, this is certainly the nicest present anybody ever bought me, with or without my money. <laughs> oh, 
we didn't get this with your money, Miss Brooks. Look inside the purse. Why? Oh, what's this? Five, ten, twenty? It's all here. That's right, Miss Brooks. Well, now that we all know it's your birthday, suppose you tell us how old you are. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, our Miss Brooks. Happy birthday to you. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. So, you see, I won't need the $35 I borrowed from you people yesterday. Here it is. Fine. The interest is practically nothing. Oh, that's nice. May I have a receipt, please? Of course. Just sign here. Yes. And here. Yes. And here. Yes. And here. And here. Stay tuned for Richard Diamond next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Richard Diamond, private detective, who is hired to protect someone, and he's surprised to find out it's not a someone, it's a something. Broadcasting Company presents Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Diamond, this is Walt. Where the devil are you? Where I started out to be, down on River Street, looking for well, the you guy... you be right there and wait for me, but you might as well stop looking. Why stop looking? Take my word for it, he's not there. Well, if you're so smart, where is he? The city morgue. We fished him out of the river ten minutes ago. Here's another exciting case from the files of Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Diamond Detective Agency, first over the bars. Oh, hello, Helen, baby. Busy? No, why? I'm can't you come over? Honey, I'd love to, but you can never tell when... So uh, Mr. Diamond. Oh, see what I mean? Oh, a customer. Well, let's see. What can I do for you? Uh, I want to hire you. Helen, the man wants to hire me. Well, oh, good. I'll call you back. Bye. Bye. Now, uh, Mr. Uh, uh... Uh, Wellington, Mr. Diamond. Hmm. Casper Wellington. Oh, well, pull up a couch and tell me the details, Mr. Wellington. I need a bodyguard, Mr. Diamond. Why? Oh, it's not for myself. It's for Timothy. Well, why does Timothy need a bodyguard? Someone's trying to kill him. Oh, you've been to the police? Oh, yes, yes. But they feel it's not quite important enough for them. You mean this Timothy's life is in danger and the police won't handle it? Yes. Isn't it ridiculous? I don't know. Has anybody tried to kill Timothy before? Well, no one has exactly tried to kill him, but I very definitely expect an attempt. Hmm. Right, now, look, uh, this uh, Timothy, is he a friend of yours? Oh, yes. A very good friend. So what makes you think that someone is going to try to kill him? Mr. Diamond, I came here to hire you to protect Timothy. I'm perfectly willing to pay you your fee, but for the moment, the rest of your questions must go unanswered. Well, uh, my fee's a hundred dollars a day in expenses, Mr. Wellington. Still perfectly willing to pay it? Here's the cash. Mm -hmm. And there'll be another hundred if you protect Timothy long enough for me to get him on a train tomorrow. Where's he going? Out of town, where he can be safe. What's Timothy's last name? 
That will also have to go unanswered. Oh, well, now, wait a minute. Supposing I do take the job, where do I meet this Timothy? How will I know him? If you take the job, he'll be in your office in a matter of minutes. Well, something sure doesn't ring up right, but the 200 fish and expenses, I'd play footsies with a cobra. Good. Now, I'm going down to the train station to pick up Timothy's ticket. When he arrives, I expect you to remain with him constantly. Until tomorrow? Oh, I got a small apartment. I hate the bundle. Don't let him out of your sight for a moment. I want him alive and well when he gets on that train in the morning. Does he play Pachisi? Well, I doubt it, but you never can tell. He might like it. Hmm, dandy. Have him at Grand Central at 8 o'clock. I'll meet you. Do you know of any way I could possibly learn to hate money? If I did, I would never have come to you. Uh, good day, Mr. Dodd. Oh. Hmm. Atlantic Bone and Fertilizer. Oh, that's a pet. Just wondering how a new business would work out. Now, what's wrong? Uh, I have a very unhealthy feeling that I've just let myself in for something I won't like. Oh, the client? Well, kind of. I've got a guard, a friend of his. What's the matter with that? Oh, I'm not going all through that again. The client just came on like secret service. I got the name of the guy he wants guarded, and I know that someone's going to try and kill him. And that's it. Rick, you be careful. Honey, honey, the client shoved 200 bucks in my rural hot hand. Oh, good. What do you want me to do? I'm trying for capitalists this year. Didn't your client go to the police first? Sure. He went to the police, but then... Hey, you. Me? What? Yeah. You. Rick, are you listening? Yeah, I'm listening. Put down the phone, friend. We want to talk to you. Well, if you're listening, why don't you answer my question? If your client went to the police... That's better. Well, now, I'm a sport, especially when someone's got a gun pointed at me. Oh, the gun ain't going to hurt you, Jim, if you answer a couple of questions. Where's Casper Wellington? Who? You're going to be difficult? Look, you got a gun on me. Who wants to be difficult? You don't know Casper Wellington, friend? Uh, never heard of him. We've well, seen him come into the building. Oh, so you figured he came to see me. It's such a small building, only about a hundred offices. Oh, that's pretty funny. Glad you liked it. No, but we didn't. You're the only private detective in the building. We figured maybe Casper wanted to hire you. What would he want to hire me for? What did this guy do? How do you like that, George? Now he's a nosy comedy. Yeah. Durante gets away with it. Friend, I have just decided your humor bores me. Yeah, it's pretty bad, ain't it, Tony? Suppose we push his face around, huh? Maybe he don't feel like no more Joe. Oh, now, wait a minute. I don't know anything about this Casper or whatever his name is. What good is it going to do to work me over? Well, now, you see, honey, you make got real nasty dispositions. We've been crossed, and then you make with the jokes. We don't like being the only ones unhappy, so... We think maybe you ought to join. Right, now, look. Uh, hold it a second. What for? It's a setup. No way. We mess him up, the law comes. We got to find Casper. We ain't got no time to play patty cake with the cops. Uh, I just want to cross the mouth. Forget it. Look, friend, you sure Casper Wellington didn't come in here? I couldn't be more positive. Okay. Put down a rod, George. That don't look so unhappy. Maybe the shamus is lying. We catch him telling a fib. Just think of the fun you can have later on, huh? Come on. We'll leave him? Yeah. So long, friend. And uh, for your sake, I hope you've been leveling. Yeah. See you around. Yeah, bye. Hmm. This is fool's fancy shop for you, Paula. Now, you listen to me, Richard Diamond. The next time you hang up on me, but, I'll but, never speak to you again. But, but you got to have a pretty good excuse for doing it this time. But, you know I take a lot of things from you, Rick, but never, never once have you hung up on me. Helen, please. And I think it was rude and inconsiderate. Helen. And I want to know right now, this minute, just what kind of a poor, lame brain excuse you're going to come up with. Helen! Well? Now, 
look, baby, I don't know what's going on. This is like doing business in a roundhouse. The only reason I hung up on you was because two guys stole in here and shoved guns in my face. And they were looking for the guy who came in earlier and hired me to look after someone named Timothy that I haven't even seen yet. It sounds awfully confusing. It is. Oh, hold the phone. Here's somebody else. Come in with your hands up. You Richard Diamond? Yep. Got a cranker addressed to you. Oh, that figures. Bring it in. Helen. Yes? You sent me maybe a present? No. You want me to? Yeah, but someone's beaten you to it. What do you want it? Good grief. Put it down right there. What's the matter? The present. The biggest crate you ever saw. Crate? What's in it? How do I know? Well, open it. Okay, Mr. Diamond. Stand right here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hope you still be very happy. Hmm. Helen. Yes? Hold the phone. I'm going to open this thing. All right. Oh, no. Oh, get away. Get away. Now, get on. Get on. Don't come up here. Don't. 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 Oh, Helen. Rick, what in the world's the matter? Helen, if this is your idea of a joke. Please calm down and tell me what's wrong. What? Can't you hear it? Well, I heard something, but I thought you must have eaten your lunch too fast. Well, I'm standing on my desk trying to fight off a monster. What? Call up Charles Adams right away. A monster? Yes. I swear it was a seal, but I know my friend's better than that. This thing has got to be poisonous. Yes, a seal. Hey, he's not so bad. He's applauding. <laughs> you must have liked that remark about Adams. Now you stop it. Do you expect me to believe all this? Uh, she doubts you, fella. Say a few words. Rick, who in the world would send you a seal? I don't even need to look. This has got to be tempting. Oh, it is tempting. When he heard his name, he made like a curtain call. Sounds like one Richard Diamond. Hey, that's pretty... Nothing. I'll call you back. Where are you going? I'm going to take Timothy right back to Mr. Casper Wellington and tell him that... Yes? Oh, for the love of... I don't know where to find Mr. Casper Wellington. Well, there it was. It was pretty silly. The smart, shrewd, level-headed Richard Diamond, for the sake of a couple of hundred fast bucks, winds up playing nursemaid and companion to a honking seal. Just to make sure it was, Timothy, I took a look at the crate, and there on top was a small printed card. It read, This is Timothy. If you want him to do something, throw him a fish. Caring. Signed, Casper Wellington. Well, that tore it. My temper was already pushing my hair up to a pension, so I went out to the nearest delicatessen and came back with a bag of fish. With this, I lured Timothy out of the building and down on the street. I had to find Casper Wellington, so 60 pedestrians and one unhappy cabbie later... Timothy and I stole casually into the 5th Precinct Police Station. Well, well, hello, Sergeant Otis. Oh, oh how are you, Shamus? Huh? How uh, what? What'd you just say? I said, hello, Sergeant Otis. No, after that. Yeah, 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 that was it. Something wrong, Sergeant? Yeah, yeah. Otis, Otis, say hello to Timothy. Timothy, this is Sergeant Otis. Lieutenant! Lieutenant! Go on over and kiss the Sergeant Timothy. Go on. Oh, no, no, no. Get him on something. Get him away. Oh, Otis, he's not so bad. Lieutenant! Now, Otis, come down off that desk. You look sillier than I did. Oh, be quiet. You too, Timothy. You'll wake up the lieutenant. Here's a fish. Throw it to Timothy. And that's you, Diamond. You'll probably take my arm along with it. 
What the devil is going on out here? Otis, what are you doing up there? Hello, Walt. What are you doing to my sergeant? And you shut up, Otis. That wasn't me. What do you mean? It wasn't you. Of course it was you. Walt, meet Timothy. How do you... I'd hate to think what would happen if someone wandered in here with a walrus. Come on, Timothy. Let's go see the brave old head of homicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get him out of here. Oh, relax, Otis. Timothy's as scared as you are. Oh, yeah? What makes you say that? He's probably thinking there's more like you. That would be a horrible shock to anyone, even a seal. Oh. Come on, Timothy. Hey, you get that thing out of here right now, Diamond. Everybody's standing on something. You'd think it was a steam bath. Up till now, I've had two reported homicides and a couple of fat robberies. And if you think you're going to wander in here with that thing and confuse the whole department, you're mistaken. Now get it out of here. Oh, Walt, it's only a seal. Have a fish. I'm not hungry. No, no, Walt. It's for Timothy. Feed it to him. He'll, he'll love you. Yeah? Do you think so? Sure, sure, Walt. Go ahead. Try it. Okay. Here, Timothy. Hey, he's applauding. Sure, he's a nice little fella. Now, climb down and help me. Uh, give me another fish. Oh, won't come down without it, huh? Okay, Walt. Speak. Oh, don't be ridiculous. I want to feed it to Timothy. He likes me. <laughs> See? Oh, lovely. Why don't you two get engaged? Oh. Well, after everybody got used to him, Timothy made the round of the whole department with the commissioner being the only exception, of course. I told Walt the story about Casper Wellington and the two Garnets who had come into my office looking for him. So Walt put Otis to work checking on the whereabouts of my missing client. Along about three in the afternoon, Otis pounced in with some news. Uh, hey, Diamond. You find something? Oh, hi, Timothy. Yeah. Uh, say, I checked with the Humane Society, and they report some guy who lives down by the docks. The name's Wellington, all right. He's been turned in a couple of times because he raises seals, and they make a lot of noise. Oh, uh, and Lieutenant, we just got a report on another homicide. Well, thanks, Sporty. You tell the Lieutenant all about it, Otis. I'm going after Casper Wellington. What's the address? Uh, here it is. 918 River Street. Come on, Tim. Goodbye, Timothy. Otis. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. What was I saying? Homicide. Remember? Just a little old homicide. I left Walt and Otis climbing over the furniture and headed for the address of Casper Wellington. Timothy and I grabbed the first cabbie who didn't believe what he was seeing, and 20 minutes later, we pulled up in front of a building on River Street. Thanks, cabbie. Yeah, sure. Thank the man, Timothy. Uh, mister. Yeah? I didn't ask you nothing when you got in the cab because I just didn't believe it. Is that the seal you got with you? You're expecting maybe a raccoon? You always take him around with you like that? Sure, we're brothers. Stop by the house sometime for dinner when Mom isn't taking a swim. Hmm, she's not a very good driver, is he, Timothy? You know it. Come on, you're going home. Hold her right here, friends. Hmm? You hide him. There's just a gun in your back. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you lied to me, friend. I'll go stand in the corner. Nah, don't move. Okay. George, grab the seal. Oh, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can't do that. What a bet. Come in, you. Take your hands off that seal. Shut your mouth, friend. <laughs> Next time you don't get it across the neck, I'll give you the rod on the skull. Okay, friend. I got him. All right, get him in a car. You, stay put. One bad move, you're going to get shot up very bad. Come on, George. You got that thing in the car? Yeah, he's saying let's get out of here. All right, friend. Yeah. You uh, see this? I got pointed at you. I see. 
Good. Forget about today, you won't see it again. Open that big yap of yours and it goes boom. Now turn around, because when we leave, I don't want you looking back for no license number. Well, I stood there while they drove off with poor little Timothy. Then I made a quick dash across the street into a store with a phone booth. Seconds later, I was hearing one of the most beautiful sounds in the world. Diamond, this is Walt. Where the devil are you? Where I started out to be, down on River Street, looking for my client. Well, you stay right there and wait for me, but you might as well stop looking. Well, why stop looking? His house is just down at the end of the block. Well, take my word for it, he isn't there. Well, if you're so smart, where is he? The city morgue. We fished him out of the river ten minutes ago. What? He was suffering from a hole in his chest. Dead before he was tossed in. Oh, Walt, Walt. Remember those two guys who came into my office earlier? Yeah. Well, they just put the snatch on Timothy and belted me across the neck for my trouble. Swipe the seal? Yeah, so get on here. I'll meet you at Casper Wellington's house. Anybody in the house, Rick? No. Hmm. Well, no answer. Well, let's case the place. I've got a skeleton key. Walt. Walt. It's open, see? Now, if you'll notice as I walk in, at no time do my feet leave my legs. Very funny. Yeah, smells like somebody's been cooking up a fish stew. Crummy joint. Ooh, get a load of that kitchen. What a mess. Oh, weren't cooking fish, Walt. Just cleaning it. Still a mess of them left on the sink. Well, Casper Ray's sealed. Where are the rest of them? Walt. Yeah? Come here. What is it? Get a look at this backyard. Holy cow. Bunch of dead seals. Who in the world would do anything like that? Maybe your two friends. Hey, what's this? What's what? This bag on the floor, leather bag. What's in it? Uh, nothing. Wait a minute. Some kind of dust at the bottom. I'll save it. We'll have it analyzed when we get down to the station. We've got to check up on those two guys who kidnapped Timothy. This is the craziest case. I got a hunch. Sure, it's crazy, but if I'm right, it's also pretty smart. Let's go to the station. <laughs> Hey, Lieutenant. Yeah, Otis? Uh, we just got something else on that Casper Wellington guy. Oh? What did he steal? Hey, how'd you know? Just a guess. Well, what is it, Hammerhead? Well, uh, it uh, seems this Wellington guy works at, uh, I mean, used to work for David and Sons. David and Sons? Uh, diamond importers. Oh, that ties it. Would somebody mind telling me what the devil this is all about? And Rick, you stay out of it. Now, Otis, what about Wellington? Wellington? Oh, he ran off with a load of diamonds. Yeah, 50,000 bucks worth. Hey, but you... Rick, will you please, for the sake of my sour stomach, tell me exactly what it is you know? I'd be glad to, Lieutenant. It's very simple. Wellington comes to me and asks me to guard Timothy. Two guys kidnapped Timothy. That we heard. Then we find a bunch of dead seals in Wellington's backyard and the remains of a pile of clean fish. So? So, the two guys who kidnapped Timothy were obviously after something, and the seal was part of it. Hey, maybe Timothy wasn't the seal after all. Now, what would he be, Otis? Well, if those guys wanted him that bad... Maybe he was a mink. Oh. oh, that bag you picked up, Walt. Have that powder in the bottom analyzed. I'll lay six to an even that it's diamond dust. Well, you think... Yeah, yeah. I think Timothy's got a stomach full of diamonds. What? I think Casper was mixed up with the two guys who grabbed the seal, but in some way crossed them. Why? He had to hide the loot, so he stuck it in some fish and fed it to Timothy. Then he left Timothy with me for protection until he could get him shipped out on the train. And in the meantime, the two guys who found Casper killed him and went back to his house to find the loot. Mm. They figured out the fish like you did and killed the seals in the backyard trying to find the stuff. You, my friend, went a herring. Otis, have the yes. powder in the bottom of this bag analyzed. Put out a 108 on Timothy. Yes, sir. Diamond here will give you the description of the guys who grabbed him. We'll never find him that way. Uh, you got a better idea? Maybe, yeah. Uh, look, 
You said those two guys killed Casper and then went right over to the house to look for the missing diamonds. Yeah. All right, they knew where to look, but they didn't find anything. So they waited for me and Timothy. So? So Casper Wellington probably told them all about it before they killed him, trying to save his own life. All right, I'll buy that. So what? So by now, they must know how hot those diamonds are. They're certainly not going to try to get rid of them here in town. And then they leave town. Yeah. And with that much loot, it would be a little risky if they tried by car. All right, all right. How do they do it? The same way Casper thought of. Ship Timothy out on a train. Wait a minute, Rick. Otis. Yeah? Put in a call to all units. Tell them to cover the airports, train, and bus station. Be on the lookout for a seal that's about to be shipped. Come yes. on, Walt. Where to? Well, as long as Casper Wellington already made the arrangements by train, let's go down to Grand Central. Maybe our two seal nappers will keep the reservation. <laughs> and I piled in the squad car again, and 20 minutes later, we were standing in the middle of Grand Central Station with a bag of fish and a weather eye out for the missing seal and his two abductors. Now, where do we start? Well, Walt, why don't you just go ask information? Just say, I'm looking for two men and a seal. The seal is hiding $50,000 worth of diamonds. Now, you stop that. This was plenty silly before a jewel robbery and a homicide get into the picture, but now it's gotten ridiculous. Well, if I was a seal, where would I go? They have to crate him. The shipping department. And so, with their trusty bag of fish, the two brave detectives oh, walked. Oh, shut up and let's go. Oh, no, come on, let's go get something. But smile, Walt. This kind of case doesn't happen but once every 10,000 years. Think of your report to the commissioner. If you don't stop kidding with me, so help me hey. out. Hey, Walt. Well, now what? Look, those two guys. Where? Going down the ramp. Oh, they got a big box. That's it. Let's take them. You said they got guns. They were pointing things to shot bullets. Could be guns. Take it easy. They're going up to that counter. Yeah. Hold it. Hold it here. No sense in starting a shooting match. Too many people. Well, what do we do? Maybe the seal's not in the box. If I pick them up without the loot, we may never find it. I got an idea. Go ahead, genius. Timothy likes fish, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, fish. take this bag. They know me, so you walk down there and move in close to the box. Timothy's bound to get a whiff, and if I know Timothy, he'll raise a few flippers. You want me to... You want to get those diamonds, don't you? Oh. Give me the... Don't snap. People will just think you ran out of cologne. Now get going. Yeah. Uh, pardon me, but I'd like to find out about sending something. Oh, yeah? Well, what's the idea, Buster? We was here first. Shut up, stupid. You boys must be really sending something big. What do notes? I told you to shut up. Yeah, yeah some, uh, some furs. Oh, live ones? Hey, Tiny, what put the seal? Will you shut up? What? I hate to mention it, but your furs are throwing a fit. Okay, boys, that's all I wanted to know. Let's take a seal. It's gone after a sack. This guy laid down a sack full of fish. Hey, what's the idea? The law, stay right there. Hey, Rick. Cop, are you... All right, bud, drop it. I said drop it. Okay, okay. You ain't taking me. Look out, Rick, this guy's got a gun. Lego. Hey, oh, my hand! Will you get the seal off? He's chewing my hand off. And drop the gun. All right, all right. Get him off. Come on, get him off. <laughs> How do you like that? Oh. Timothy grabbed this gun up by the gun hand and made him drop it. I'll be uh, done. You crazy seal nearly kill me. You and your bright <laughs> idea. Ship the seal, you ship. Ah, okay, you boys. Here's a bracelet for you. Let's go outside. Uh, Walt, Walt, wait a minute. We got to get the jewels. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I'll take care of these two guys and I'll take Timothy to a good veterinary. Okay. Uh, uh Walt. Yeah? If it means surgery... Keep in touch. Sure. Bye, Timothy. Rick. Huh? Now, don't be unhappy. Oh, how can I help it, honey? I... He's been in surgery for nearly an hour. Oh, but he'll be all right. They got a good vet. I hope so. 
I was getting attached to that seal. Oh, I got it. Yeah? Rick? Yeah, Walt. Yeah. How's Timothy? He had the diamonds in him, all right. Oh, but how is he? Well... Uh, go ahead, Walt. You can tell me. I, I, I can stand it. He's very weak. The doctor says he thinks he doesn't want to live, no will. Oh, what's the matter? He was such a happy seal. I think he misses you, Rick. Every time someone mentions your name, he kind of honks and raises a weak flipper. I better come right down. He's sinking fast. Oh, you think maybe if you heard my voice... Uh... Uh, can you get a phone near him? Yeah, yeah, wait a minute. Okay, I got it next to his ear. Say something. Hello, Timothy. Mm-hmm. Walt. Yeah? Walt, ask him if he's seen a picture called Mrs. Mike. He says he saw it. Didn't like the leading man. Oh. Ralph Devlin Keys. Oh. Ask him if he liked the music. Yeah, he liked that. Well, put the receiver next to his ear and I'll sing him the theme song. Is Kathy, she's mine alone. When I walk with Kathy, proud am I. She's the girl I'll marry, and cross the threshold I'll carry. And I'll love but Kathy. Till I die She's the only angel I've ever known She's a maid No man is worthy of Although girls are many Compared to her, there isn't any. Only Kathy, do I love. Well, Walt? I did it. He's better? Timothy, that a boy? I guess the singing did it. What do you mean you guess? When I sang with the Peter Pan Five, we played two weeks at the Carl Gables Hotel in Florida. So what? So what? I'll have you know five minutes after I opened my mouth, every seal in the Biscayne Keys came in and sat ringside. That sounds like a pretty good act. What'd you give it up for? Well, I got a sore throat one night, and the place was up to its ears in alligators. Rick. Yes, Wall? You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Ed Begley played Lieutenant Walt Levinson. Also in the cast were Wilms Herbert, Faye Baker, Junius Matthews, Billy Bletcher, Tony Barrett, and Larry Dodkin. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by Russell Hughes. Dick Powell currently may be seen in the motion picture version of the best-selling novel, Mrs. Mike. Isn't that right, Dick? Yeah, 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 that's right, Eddie. Oh, by the way, Ed Begley, who plays Lieutenant Levinson on our show, would like to say a few words to his old friends in Hartford, Connecticut. 
Well, I just want to say on behalf of all of us here on Richard Diamond, congratulations to radio station WTIC in Hartford, Connecticut, where I got my start in radio and which this week celebrates its 25th anniversary of service to the people of southern New England. Thank you, Ed Begley. Now, this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us next Sunday at this same time when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. What's on NBC today? You'll hear Charles Boyer and Dorothy McGuire today on Theater Guild on the Air in Autumn Crocus. And there's the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show to add to your Sunday listening pleasure. Be sure to hear Charles Boyer and Dorothy McGuire on Theater Guild on the Air and the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show today on NBC. You're tuned for the stars on NBC. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nero Wolf, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.